Welcome to the Well-Spoken Podcast, where transformational leaders explore the mindsets, motivations, and methodologies of impact-driven businesses. I am Delray Messer. I am here to introduce an incredible guest that we have today, Dr. Jenny, my co-pilot in the Well-Spoken Lifestyle platform. She is here to talk about diet culture with us. As we kick off Women's History Month, this is such an important topic for both of us to be able to help heal some of the trauma that has occurred, not only in our lives, but so many women and especially young women upcoming um, into a sense of self and a sense of self-worth and self-love. We want to be able to help shape their mindset and your mindset listening to be able to really embody a different um, perspective of of self-worth. And Dr. Jenny, we're going to start off with the question, what is diet culture? How would you define it? First, I have to say I'm so excited to be your co-pilot. Um, diet culture is when we base our self-worth on how much or what it is that you're eating. So it's in some ways they can even get to an obsession with either exercise or food. So we can pathologize body size. We can develop pervasive beliefs about our appearance and body shape and how that's connected to our worth. And sometimes we prioritize that over our psychological or our physical well-being. And so that's a small portion. People can talk about it in so many ways, how it has found its way into their life. I will say that diet culture is not necessarily gendered. It often shows up in females more than males. At the same time, I will say from my own clinic practice, it is absolutely in both men and women. We have expectations about bodies and how they should look, sometimes based very much on gender. And then we get obsessed with our exercise or the the smaller we can possibly be. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And before we, you know, before we start talking about how to address diet culture and promote, uh, you know, a healthy relationship with food, I think it's really important to understand the history of it. Where does diet culture come from? Um, how do we experience it? And most importantly, how is our subconscious programmed um, to for, for the beliefs around diet culture, what we see, what we hear as young women and young men, um, and how mm -hmm. that shapes how we view ourselves? So where does diet culture come from and how can we deep dive into that? Well, it comes from a variety of places. Like most things, we don't have just one area to pinpointed on. That's one of the more frustrating things every one of us deals with is if I could just have it be one thing, then I would have it fixed. So when the air we breathe, where we have images all around us, conversations that we hear all around us about what an attractive fill in the blank looks like, what an attractive woman looks like, what we are supposed to be. And that can even be, sometimes it's diminutive. So that would be how small can I make my body? How unseen can I make my body? Which makes me go, as you know, my background is in trauma work in some ways. So what is born out of trauma? And trauma can be anything that is too much, too soon, or too fast. So what we try to do with that experience is control what's going on around us so that we know we're not going to be surprised. It's not going to be too much. It won't be too soon. It won't be too fast. So then we say, all right, how can I create control. And one of those ways is through what we put in our body, what we do for exercising or take care of ourselves. So another one is people pleasing, which is one of those trauma responses of fawn, 
where we say, I want to make sure everyone around me thinks that what I'm doing is great. And oftentimes we do get feedback that when we are um, exercising, which indeed is a good thing. So I'm not trying to say, or paying attention to what we eat, which is also a good thing. It's that when we focus our worthiness connected to that, that that's where we get, there's a, a boundary we cross where we end up getting ourselves a little bit too far into that and too focused, like I said, an obsession. So how would you describe to somebody that has struggled with some of these challenges? I mean, where do you, where do you start? Where do you start? <laughs> if this has been yep. something that has, you know, really shaped because there's so many avenues we could go down. One would be, how is this affecting us? kind of on a surface level, but then deep diving into, there's so many different ways that we control it. It can lead to, as we know, eating disorders, body dysmorphia, you know, what, what could we do to help people that are listening to identify where they're at on maybe this spectrum of how diet culture has shaped their beliefs around, you know, not only their body, but their sense of self-worth and how they view themselves. That's a good question. Uh, one is saying, I think I might be doing this. Mm. that's the first part to say wow as I hear you to speak about this I realize I do that self-talk and often that's the hardest for us to work through because it seems like it's so much our inside voice our critic that says like oof gosh what was I even I'm thinking about it last night was it a birthday party and so really enjoyed some pizza and some ice cream cake because that's my favorite. Um, and I, at other points in my life, I would have said to myself, Ooh, that was a real bad eating day. Now that is not too far on the spectrum of, Oh, I'm awful. I ate so, so horribly connecting my worthiness as a person to everything that I've been eating. Or let's say that I'm weighing myself with a regular on a regular basis, which in, on its own is not bad because it's great to know where you are. And sometimes it's how your clothes fit. Sometimes it's how your body feels, but what works for you? What feels good? And if I'm tying my worthiness to a number, that's the danger, right? So the, I would say we get to a tipping point in our wellness when we're saying, Ugh, like, it's, a, it's great to pay attention. Please pay attention to what you're doing with your body and yourself and how you're caring for yourself to have to deep dive into diet culture. And when you're fully steeped in it, you're saying, I am bad because this is what I did. Even talking about like cheat days and stuff sometimes can be difficult because we're supporting the idea that eating food, certain foods is connected to worth or goodness or badness, but food is not moral. Right? Like, and yes. so that's a lot of this diet culture. That's so paying attention to your inner talk is what I would say is the start of anything. And when you find yourself saying, oh, this is about my, how good I am or how bad I am, try to work your way away from that. I love that. Before we introduce how to ditch diet culture and some tips on how to do so, Let's dive into five ways that we can accidentally promote diet culture and how we can become more self-aware. And mm -hmm. most importantly, I believe looking back at childhood experiences and how those shaped my belief systems was a huge part of my healing when it came to diet culture. I'll share a little bit more 
um, of my vulnerable story when it comes to this. Um, if you want to share a little bit of yours too, I think that would be powerful because evolving from that has been extremely freeing. And mm -hmm. I want everyone to have that, that sense of freedom in their life. So first, um, spreading compliments associated with weight loss or improvements in beauty. So it promotes thin bodies are better. Um, trying to compliment people in things other than their appearance is so important. And I personally experienced this growing up. There was always some kind of comment on, on body. It was one of the first mm -hmm. things that was not only noticed, but talked about, but there was a lot of shame around it. And there was a lot of passive aggressive comments. They weren't, you know, it was, and, and those type of comments made me feel validated. So I was an mm -hmm. athlete and that was, uh, I would say a subconscious programming that you need to look this certain way in order to be a runner. In fact, mm -hmm. one of the most detrimental comments to me growing up was a coach from another team when I was in high school running track and cross country said, you know, wow, your, th your thighs literally said this, your thighs are so big. I wonder if that slows down your time. And it was very intentional. Um, it was a coach that kind of knew what he was doing when it came to getting into the mindsets of some of the other competitors and on that team, they were highly pressured. They were weighed. They were, you know, told they need to be thin. They were restricted calories. And again, whether that was conscious or not, it really affected me and the way that I viewed myself in a sport where other girls were, um, young women were a different body shape than I was. And it really put a lot of pressure on me to look a certain way. And I also... I received a lot of subconscious programming around the culture of it, which was eat less, weigh less, run faster. That was my personal experience. And it was very, very hard to get out of that, especially ditching the scale because being weighed consistently was um, very detrimental to my self-worth, especially seeing the number and always wondering what the number was going to be week after week. So for me, I haven't owned a scale in probably 10 years. Um, mm -hmm. That has been a journey that I've taken for myself. Again, it's not for everybody, but for me, it helped me to release the label of the number to my self-worth. And it was extremely freeing. Um, so again, that's that's not for everybody. And when I go to, you know, I, I was just at a, a checkup the other day and was weighed and there was no emotional attachment to what it was going to be. It was just like, oh, there it is. <laughs> you know, that's my weight. And mm -hmm. it took a long time to get there. So I don't know if you have any feedback or comments on that. Well, oh, I don't know if you could hear, but my deep breathing was calming my body after hearing those comments and they happen. They happen all the time. And which is some of why I, I appreciate your saying, we, how do we accidentally promote this? And I understand you're saying, I don't know if this coach meant to do this and possibly did, um, but this is how it impacted me. There are so many, um, one I wanted to share from a sexual health provider, it's, it impacts our worthiness of saying, am I worth having a sexual experience, right? Like, so your first start, I'm going to back up. Your first comment was as a young growing woman, and I used to hate this word, I still kind of do, but developing yeah. woman, to be commented on your body and the changes that it's going through. 
you're uncertain all on your own and you're going through all these changes that are just happening. And they happen whenever they happen, not because necessarily of anything you're doing, but then there's all sorts of judgment and feedback and people noticing your body in so many different ways. And so is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? You've never had this kind of attention before a lot of times. Some um, younger, you know, dance or athletes, gymnasts, they also will, swimmers experience, oh, all right, we're developing our bodies in certain ways. So we have that body awareness for a good reason. Other times it's, oh my gosh, okay, now what's happening? And this is when we're starting to get into different kinds of sports if we're going to do that. Other people are noticing our bodies. And so we get feedback in a different way than we've ever received before about our bodies. And that concept of lighter, thinner, better is a part of what's in our culture. That's, it's changing and I'm loving seeing that. And still in my growing up, that was very, very true. And so it's tied in so many ways to our sexuality as well. The endless stories of women saying, oh, I started to develop breasts and my aunt said, oh, look, you know, Shirley's getting, she's starting to get breasts. Isn't that exciting? At a family event mm-hmm. and how humiliating that was. So sometimes we want to make our bodies as small as possible so that we're not seen. Sometimes we have drama experiences. So it's what what we do. So that's what I went to from the clinical perspective is that it is connected. We live in our bodies. That's how we share with one another. That's how we walk through the world. And so when people are commenting on them in one way or another, it impacts not only how our self-perception as just a human and our worthiness in the world, that impacts our sexuality because they are so commonly intertwined. So when we think about noticing another person, and if we want to, what can we, can we notice something about them other than their appearance? And how is it that we share that with, with them, right? Like, oh, your energy was awesome. I love being around you today. Yeah. That was a fun experience we had together. So learning how to compliment one another outside of, because we learn what we received. And a lot of times we receive feedback and compliments about our appearance and, and how it was that we showed up in our bodies, not who we are with our energy, our personalities. And so that's an important one. I definitely have other ones when we think about ways we promote, you know, this diet culture. I have other personal stories. One, can I claim this one? Is using fat, the word fat is an insult. Oh, and when you said the comment about thighs, I'm like, oh, I've been there. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, my thighs are so fat. Or, oh, this part of my body is so fat. And like, it's horrible. Mm -hmm. With all that kind of, again, self-talk. So paying attention to how we're speaking to ourselves about our own bodies. I loved when fat p-h-a-t and i'm dating myself here but when that came back into <laughs> i think you know this when that came back into like vogue it was okay to say like that means fat and it's awesome because it was a whole other connection with that word so i think my own inner critic has been significant in using fat as a negative word and i can't say that i utilize that a lot outwardly but inwardly it's been important for me to overcome and think about and overcome, notice, pay attention to shift, I think is a better process and say, Oh, they look strong. And it doesn't have to be that because that's actually not true. They're really strong. I love that. I I'm going to share a story that 
completely transformed my perspective on body positivity, body empowerment, um, the way I view people and all of their beautiful shapes and sizes. I was, you know, in an industry in the past eight years that shares a lot of transformation photos. And I had mm. really healthy, I believe, intentions of sharing transformation before and after photos, but really being intentional about sharing the story behind it, not just that this person lost weight, but what was the true story of meaning behind it, their energy, the relationships in their lives, their fulfillment, their happiness, and you know what that transformation gave them beyond just the scale. But I received a direct message from a woman that asked me a few questions and gave me resources and tools to deep dive into fat shaming and um, the culture of that and how we even view transformation photos. And at first it was very triggering for me, but because I'm a human that loves to learn and grow, I gave her that chance to really help me be better in that moment. And it's actually completely changed how I share transformations and how honestly surface, I believe, before and after physical photos are. Um, they don't inspire me in the same way because she just helped me to see that there's so much more behind that. And she gave me beautiful resources and tools that I'll put in the end notes. And honestly, I'd love to interview her because of this. Um, but she asked me a few questions. She said, do you know where even fat shaming came from in our culture and how deeply rooted it was and how many years back it is? And, and how do we really know that somebody that has a certain shape is unhealthy? Um, we don't know that unless we have, you know, medical data and and testing. And I, I just really changed the way I look at things. And one of the questions that I have for you is when somebody does have a transformation of some kind that is noticeable in your life or even a reverse of that, say somebody has, you know, gained weight or somebody is, you know, in your life that has had some sort of physical change, would you avoid comp complimenting or even commenting on it at all? Would you say, you know, something like, wow, like, your light is shining so bright, you know, would, or do you just not mention it at all? What would be your best advice on that? And I know we could deep dive into how to talk to children about this because that is a mm -hmm. huge topic um, that probably deserves another podcast, but that would be my question. Would you avoid talking about that at all? And how can we help people see that health isn't just the shape of our physical body? Avoiding something is probably not... <laughs> typically not my go-to. Instead, I will say, yes, let's talk about something. Does it need to be, wow, your body shape really changed. Mm, I don't think that's probably our best inroad. Right. And instead a connection about, hey, how you doing? I haven't seen you for a while. Have there been any changes? So ask questions about the person. Ask them about their experiences. Let them tell you their story as opposed to you determine their story based on how they look to you because it also might be, wow, that's my own stuff getting kicked up as opposed to asking a question and allowing someone else to have their own voice. That is beautiful. Thank you. And such a simple answer. I want to share, I think this is an opportunity for a moment, share a resource as you said that, and I'm sure we can put these in the end notes as well. 
um, Louise Hay, and this is, I don't even know how old, um, but these cards were introduced to me when I was a co-facilitator of a women's um, sexuality group, where we're talking about bodies and our connection with our bodies and, and how we're influenced. And I love them. And I wanted to read this one. And it says, I love my weight. I am the perfect weight for myself at this moment. I have the ability to change my weight if I desire. I am free. I love my blood is another one. And it says, the blood in my veins is pure joy. The joy of life flows freely throughout my body. So things that you can pick up each day from toes to liver to neck. I love my colon. Did I ever think I would want to be thanking my colon? No, but it says, I willingly release all thoughts that clutter and clog. Mm, I love that. I have the perfect intake, assimilation, and elimination. All of these awarenesses. So the idea of, oh, I'm looking at the scale, or I'm looking at this, or I'm, you know, do I set out comparison? Oh, so dangerous. And instead, it's saying, I'm looking inward. How do I feel? What do I like? What can I be appreciative of? And how does that make sense? I love my neck, right? We think of certain parts of our bodies as this is this is an important body part. You know, I, one of the trainers I've worked with talks about we're not doing the show muscles. We're not working on those. We're working on general health and wellness and functional muscles. So let's pay attention to that. And I love that shift in I'm doing this for me and my functioning. I'm not doing whatever kind of thing I'm doing because I have to show it. I'm just going to own it. That is beautiful. Thank you for sharing. We'll definitely get people the resource for that tool. I know for me, something really impactful was I gave myself permission to, because I was really in my physical body for so long as an athlete, and that's how I was defining my body. I gave Mm -hmm. myself an opportunity to explore what my body felt like in different environments and started to seek out opportunities that would allow me to be able to use my body in different ways, a calm setting, or just simply a walk and honoring my body for that. Um, Laying in a hammock and what that felt like. These different opportunities to actually immerse myself in an experience that would allow me to embody appreciation and honoring it in a different way. And that was, I believe, like a fast track because it changes your nervous system to put yourself in environments that challenge your existing beliefs. And it does so in a way that gives you a sense of appreciation. And sometimes it can be really hard to just change your mindset with an affirmation. We must back it up with something that actually teaches the nervous system what our new Um, thought processes is. And that's the beautiful part about neuroscience. We're both geeks (laughs) about neuroscience. It allows us to be able to create neural pathways that are brand new. This is called neuroplasticity. And I practiced, I had to practice that muscle until I came Mm -hmm. to a place of complete acceptance of every inch of my body outside and inside. And again, using it um, with a value of I value movement, I value health, I value well-being. So what are the things that I can do to reinforce that instead of looking at just my physical body and the outcome of a quote-unquote workout at the gym? And that, honestly, COVID slowed me down enough to explore those opportunities 
and to come to a place of just complete freedom, love, and acceptance. I just want everybody to experience that. So I'm hoping a few of you just take these little nuggets of wisdom and just put them into practice in one way, shape, or form. So thank you. Um, let's move on to labeling. And when we label how that creates feelings of guilt and shame. Um, so commenting on how bad you've been or food isn't, like you said, food isn't moral, good food versus bad food or um, punishment if we indulge um, some of these really old narratives. That's why I'm very mindful of the language I use around my girls. And when we do enjoy things, um, you know, that our, our, I, I just think of, it's a food, <laughs> um, but there used to be mm -hmm. a lot of guilt around that because as a, as a runner, again, like things were labeled as good as bad. You can't have that during this time or this season. And then I watched so many young women develop eating disorders because of these labels. And I just want to be able to help um, more people free themselves of it. So can, let's dive into that. Well, like I had named, so options like, yep, we're having pizza and ice cream cake and and it, it's connected to what you were just talking about, where you're saying you're practicing a different environment. It's creating a different environment also within. So not only external, but it's also internal. I was saying, you know, this is, um, it comes back to pleasure. I enjoy this. I'm enjoying this. And I'm connected to it in a really mindful way that this is, food and it's delicious and it's pleasuring. What else does, am I worthy of in some ways? This isn't my only stream of pleasure, right? I can go and move my body if I want to, or if I'm capable of, I can lay and do a meditation, even though that's not, it doesn't need to be intense movement. It can be any kind of shift in your environment internally or externally. And so we end up saying things like, oh, I'm so, so bad this weekend. Okay. You know, so, or well, we're talking to our friends or our family or even at work in some instances, it's like, oh, don't bring the donuts in. You know, they're so bad. And if you're, then the person who's just taking a bite of it, cause they're like, this is going to be amazing. Oof, how do I feel? So the comments we make and the judgment is also connected to the, the I say fuel we've received over the course of our life. This is what we know. We've breathed the air. It's all over magazines. You know, now we don't always go to the grocery store. We can pick them up. Or, but in my growing up, pre-COVID times, pre-delivery in so many ways, it was, oh, you're just, you know, looking at the magazines to see what the latest is, what the coolest is, who are the beautiful images that we're going to see. And now I'm so happy that we have a variety of images that we get to see. My kids get to see that. Yours get to see that. So someone can be enjoying food and that is seen as positive as opposed to, ooh, don't enjoy food too much. Yeah. Thank you. It isn't moral. It's not good or bad. It's exactly. And this leads to the next point, which is talking about our diets we're on. I grew up in a time where, uh, mm -hmm. as a young girl, um, I saw modeling of this, whether it was, you know, weighing every day, um, different diets that were on the covers of magazines, like you said, yes. people were trying and 
I think this really, is, the, I believe the antidote is intuitive eating and mindfulness around eating. And again, that's really the entire premise of what we're talking about is what is our intention around how we view food, um, food, food as a fuel, food as nourishment, food as the vehicle for well-being gives us a different opportunity to enjoy, like you said, pleasurable times. And um, it took a long while for me to get there, but now being able to have this sense of enjoyment when I am putting nourishing healthy food in my body because it is a sense of appreciation. How do we unravel diets and start to look at wholesome, nutritious food as an energy source and a vehicle for well-being? Well, I'm gonna, yeah. <laughs> you said everything. I love it. My favorite was mindfulness. What paying attention to ourselves, what feels good what is, what is pleasurable? I, one of my colleagues said, um, he was running our group meeting and he brought in a piece of chocolate and we have chocolates in our office and said, I'm going to walk us through this mindfulness experience. And I'm going to tell you, I've never eaten chocolate the same. It is so beautiful. He's like, well, first just eat this piece of chocolate. And I was like, thank you. You know, thanks for bringing the treat in. That's awesome. And then next he said, okay, no, I want you to do any walk just through the mindfulness of it. Don't just chew that. Pay attention to the wrapper. Pay attention to like be in the moment of your experience and that chocolate never tasted so good. The other one I barely was even present with. You know, I was just. So would just, you say yeah. engaging your senses in the experience? So All touch, in slowing pay, down. smell, slowing down to enjoy it. Uh, mm -hmm. And maybe even taking notes on that, like writing that down and saying what that felt like to really put that in the nervous system and say, I'm grateful for this experience and gratitude is a practice. I know mm -hmm. that sounds a little silly to say, wow, I'm going to write down my experience of this big salad and how it then made me feel. But for me, that really helped shape my new perspective of what food was. And again, those, those pleasurable moments. Um, because now, I, I, and I used to think, okay, this food's bad, so I need a lot of it now because that means I can't have it then for this period of time. And instead, anyway. two bites of something like that could be the most pleasurable experience you don't need anymore because you mm -hmm. actually sit down to enjoy it. So I really love that. Um, do you think we're ever going to get to the place where our culture can embrace that kind of mindset? I wish I would like that. And I think the only way we get there is practicing yeah. more and more of us talking about it, practicing and saying, you know, it's okay. I, one of my favorite foods is a cheeseburger. <laughs> it is absolutely amazing. Do I, I mean, and let's say I want to have them every day. Maybe I do. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to get a little sick of them over a while, right? <laughs> because I'm paying attention to it. And then I'm like, all right, I guess I kind of want something different. So it's, like you, like we've been talking about this entire time, it's in my conversations with people, when um, I go out to eat with friends or when we're going out as a family, it's, it's okay. I'm completely planning on having um, in the restaurant that we go to, it's called Skibetti. I can't wait, right? And I can't, and I'm already excited about it because I love food. I want to make sure that people around me see my relationship with food as something where I'm not moralizing it or myself. 
I love and instead that. I'm excited about it. So it's what kind of relationship do I want to have? And, and if I'm talking about, Oh, great. If someone says, Hey, this is the latest thing I'm trying for, um, a diet practice. Okay. Like, what are you noticing about yourself, right? So when someone else shares it with you, if you're starting to shift your own language and sharing, it's okay to also ask, again, questions are so beautiful because you get to say, can you tell me about your experience and how that's going instead of putting our own label on it? Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Last point, and this one's going to take a bit to unpack. So mm, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> Um, Photoshopping images, social media, filters, the world we live in um, right now is challenging. And the CDC just released some alarming statistics on younger girls and how this culture is influencing their sense of self-worth and self-love. And they're engaging in you know, self-harm and they have very high rates of depression and anxiety because of this. Um, let's talk about it. Let's unpack it. Uh, how do we start these conversations and become more comfortable in our own skin, uh, become authentic in, in our own uh, non-filtered, beautiful <laughs> body? Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how do we even start the conversation? This one's hard. I have absolutely participated in this and I will go, Oh, I don't. So then I have to ask myself, why? What's the why behind my uncertainty about maybe posting the, you know, sharing with people who supposedly are my family and friends who are going to be there to support me wherever. However, well, I mean, maybe that's a little far, but (laughs) you know, mostly. When I think about that, it's about my own fear of judgment. And what that supports is the belief system that we can only show who we, re- like, we can only show others who it is maybe we want to be, as opposed to who we really are. And that's connected to, I'm not worth, I don't know that I'll be accepted. I don't know that I will be enough for other people if I don't shift who I am. Pretty simplistically stated, I'm curious about your feedback on that. Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, it's, you know, a sense of everyone else is doing it. So now it's accepted and this is the standard and who we look up to, unfortunately, um, in our society, uh, is role modeling, I believe unattainable beauty standards and not embracing, you know, the authenticity of not only, body positivity, because that can also be a very toxic solution, just like toxic positivity can, where we don't necessarily Mm -hmm. embrace the authenticity of real and honoring real bodies and real people. And it Mm -hmm. gives us such a distorted perception of, I believe, the true genuine connection that we have in embracing the imperfect. (laughs) And for me getting there and being, I'm telling you a hundred percent in acceptance of where I am in my physical body with age, especially passing the 40 threshold and saying like, how do I want to, how do I want to live the next 10 years? And when I'm 50, like, how will I look back at the 
that decade, and I will tell you once I hit 40, it was like this unapologetic. I don't give a what anybody thinks about my body or me. I know who I am. I know where I stand in my truth. Um, and it was just this, and that was to me, um, I value honoring my authenticity and, um, I had to practice that my little munchkin. It was so cute. A couple of weeks ago, she, she took my belly button and and made it like a squishy. Like she said, it was mm-hmm. like a little squishy, you know, the little squishies they love now. And she's like, oh, it's so cute. It's like a little squishy. And I think that would have really triggered me years ago. And I was like, oh, isn't it cute? It's super cute. <laughs> and there was, there's little things like that, that I know sounds minimal, um, maybe to, to you and to people listening. But for me, it was a huge moment of acceptance. I was like, yes, I love that. Um, I also seek out stories through other people that are paving the way for body acceptance. I'll give you an example. I watched Love Lizzo's documentary, and she just did such an exceptional job of of talking about this and how unaccepted she is by so many humans, yet clearly so many people are craving her message. Her music is literally her message to the world. And there was something that she said that just impacted me in a huge way. She said, I got to the point in my life where I knew that I was going to be in this body and in this skin forever. And I could choose how I wanted to live out that experience. I could be miserable judging it, listening to other people's comments about it, or I could completely embrace the skin that I'm in and I could be comfortable with it. I could honor it. I could start to form a new relationship with it. And I could do so through music and performance. And clearly, if you had ever watched her performance, one of the most beautiful experiences. And I had a chance to also watch her um, docuseries on um, how she chose her performers that are on stage with her. And it was such a vulnerable, beautiful experience for me to watch these women say this is who we are this is the skin we are in and we are not only okay with it we love who we are we want other people to do the same so I also think finding people like that that inspire you to look at bodies in a different way um, is really powerful so um so you're talking about choosing, right? Choosing yeah. what you are bringing into your system, what you're bringing into your environment. That's also the same, choosing what we're doing for output. So it's I exposing yourself to, and still, it's a, for growth, it will be intentional. It will not be, oh, this just, I happened to walk by. We're getting there. We're making a lot of progress. Making progress within is also about what I'm taking in. So not just with my food and the judgment I have on that, but also with the things I'm reading, the images I'm looking at, the shows I'm watching, and how is what I'm bringing in, what's that, just as you said, why don't you write that down, how you felt when you brought that into your body? How did you feel when you brought that docuseries into your body? And it sounded inspiring. And so paying attention, documenting it, practicing, saying, it's okay if I have some, this is who I am. This is who I am. This is one way that I am. Let's even introduce that. This is one way that I am. This is a moment in time. And that's it. The next moment, I've had changes already because I just had that experience I shared with you. 
So allowing ourselves to be, as you were talking about those transformation stories, to be humans always changing. And we're going to share a moment with someone, and that's not all of who we are. We're going to share. So when we're, I mean, I want to get back to that because it's the less practicing that we do of Photoshopping ourselves or, oh, let's just crop this out, which I just did last week. <laughs> ah, you know, yeah, it's fear is what it is. It's fear. And I would love to face it and be able to say, hey, you know what? You're okay as you are. And if someone doesn't like this, then that's okay. Because you're okay as you are. And I am fully in it with all of you. And I think, Delray, you are too. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, if I can share any words of wisdom, my hope is you give yourself grace. Self-love comes in a form of, I believe, self-forgiveness and an understanding mm -hmm. that I no longer could separate my past and who I was from who I desired to be. I needed to walk alongside of her and understand that I was doing the best that I could with the resources and tools and experiences and beliefs that I had been given for so long or mm -hmm. allowed, honestly, allowed to come into my mind without questioning, without thinking about it. And I believe the questions we ask ourselves are so much more powerful than the answers that someone can give us. And asking myself, well, how did you come to that conclusion about how you feel about this part of your body or whatever it is? And and the, the marketing, <laughs> the marketing that shapes us, the media that shapes us and our belief systems, I had to start asking myself, what, what do you consume that is reinforcing these beliefs and my hiatus from social media for nearly a year was my way of honoring myself i i could no longer consume what was giving me anxiety in comparison or you're not going to be able to keep up or you need to be this or you need to look like this in order to dot 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 and i just decided to release that and say i'm going to get off to reevaluate my self-worth and my self-love and what it means to me to live a joyful, fulfilled and appreciative life of the body I was given that I can now honor in a way that gives me the the freedom to be with my girls and role model that freedom and to be able to hike a mountain and to be able to live to give and serve in a natural disaster relief setting. I was the wheelbarrow girl <laughs> because I used my strength to be able to do good. And that's now how I formulate my mindset around my workouts it completely changed everything it's, I'm fit to serve I can now use my physical body for good and so I think the more that we explore and ask ourselves questions like did that compliment from a family member you know years ago trigger oh I need to now look like this you know that that was something I really had to explore because that was always a first you know first thing to happen in how you know it, it and that Our families yes Yes. So ask yourself those questions and get uh, curious. The more curiosity that we have about ourselves and how the world has shaped us and these messages have shaped us, the more grace we can give ourselves because curiosity is a learning experience. And when mm -hmm. we're in a learning experience, we have to release guilt and shame because it allows us to be able to navigate the world in a completely different way. 
Um, so that is my hope for all of you. And Dr. Jenny, thank you so much for your expertise and your incredible way of simplifying a complex issue. We have so much more to unpack. There are so many we more do. podcasts that we can deep dive into. Um, but for now, I think that's a really great, a great perspective on diet culture and how it has and how it, how it's influenced us. Well, what you just did was talk about how you ditched diet culture and what it offered you. And I love that because you're also an amazing storyteller. And when you share that, it's, that's right. I was freed. I freed myself from diet culture by saying, I'm going to step back and I'm allowing myself to enjoy my food intake, my body, what the information is that my information intake will say. I can appreciate what I can do, appreciate what I've been given because this is me. And so your story perfectly shared with everyone one way or in a few points for how it is that we can all decide we're ditching it. We don't need it. Incredible. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you for this. I love it. We'll all talk right. to you all soon. Thank you for your well-spoken words of wisdom. We will see you next time.